Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with you. Great to be with you. So as we start our conversation, let us invite the Blessed Virgin Mary to become with you. So. Mary is known as the mother of God. Mary's the mother of the church. Mary's the mother of each and every one of us. So we want to turn to Mary and ask her to, to pray for us, to be with us all the days of our life, and to rejoice with us over the fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has truly risen from the dead. The Lord is truly risen from the dead. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Let's pray the prayer that Mary loves most. That's the Hail Mary, together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I'd like to invite to be with us, my friends, our spiritual director. Our spiritual director, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many, many titles. Among these titles would be that of the Paraclete. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the Holy Spirit is the gift of gifts. The Holy Spirit is also known in the sequence that we pray on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of the soul. The sweet guest of the soul. And then the Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler. Our consoler our counselor, our guide. St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8, that the Holy Spirit is also our interior master. By that we mean the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. As St. Paul points out, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba, 
which means daddy or father. So let's uh, beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light and the interior fire of love to burn within our hearts. As we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Mike the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, Pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska. Pray for us. All God's angels and saints. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we welcome all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. Remember the words of Father Patrick Payton. The family that prays together stays together. So after we pray together, then I offer my intentions for all of you. And my prayer intentions are in conjunction related to the holy sacrifice of the Mass. When I celebrate the Mass uh, this evening, I'd like to place all of you on the altar. There's no greater prayer in the world than the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The purpose of the Mass is we we glorify God the Father through the offering of God the Son and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose of the Mass. We are also called to glorify God the Father. We're called to offer Christ the Son. We're called to be empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. So I'd like to pray, offer three special intentions in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. My first intention, I'd like to pray for all of you that you would experience the fruit or grace that St. Ignatius of Loyola says we should beg for when we meditate upon the resurrection of Christ from the dead. What is that fruit that we beg for? In Spanish it's expressed in this way. Intensissimo gozo. Intensissimo gozo means the most intense joy. We want to beg for the most intense joy. But where does this joy come from? Not from the things of this world, not for created things, eating or drinking or carousing, but rather our joy comes from the Lord. As St. Paul reminds us, Rejoice in the Lord, I say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Our joy, our most authentic joy comes from our relationship to the Lord.
So may we rejoice in the Lord. I pray that you would have an overflowing joy in this week, which is the Easter week. This is the week in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the whole week, these eight days. So as St. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. And the Blessed Virgin Mary teaches us the same truth. She says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices. Rejoices in who? In God my Savior. Mary teaches us that true joy can be found only in God our Savior. My second intention will be, I'd like to pray for your families. That your families would experience this overflowing joy of the risen Christ. Your families would experience the the overflowing joy of the risen Christ. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. It says that they saw the Lord and they rejoiced. My third intention will be, my friends, let's continue by offering our prayers, our sacrifices, our holy hours, our communions for the situation in in Russia, between Russia as well as the situation between Russia and the Ukraine. That there will be peace. Everything. Everything is possible for God. That there will be peace. So my friends, those are the those are the intentions I'd like to offer placing you on the altar in the greatest of all prayers, which is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Last night we were in the parish of St. John the Baptist in Baldwin Park giving our 10th week lecture presentation on the spiritual exercises. There was an abundance of overflowing joy among the people as they've arrived at the 10th week of the exercises in my program which they're called to meditate upon the risen Christ. To meditate upon the risen Christ with the person of Mary Most Holy. So I'd like to invite all of you to pray for all those who have done the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. In St. Peter Chanel. In St. Therese in Alhambra. And of course, as I just said right now, in the parish of St. John the Baptist in, in Baldwin Park. So, my friends, let's go to our readings for the day. During the whole course of the Easter season, Easter, the Easter day actually lasts eight days up until next Sunday. But the Easter season, my friends, The Easter season lasts 50 days. 50 days. Up to the feast day of Pentecost, which is the the descent of the Holy Spirit upon Mary and the Apostles. After nine days of prayer. So what the church offers us for the first reading 
the whole 50 days is the book called the Acts of the Apostles, which you find right after the Gospel of St. John. The Acts of the Apostles. When we say the Acts of the Apostles, we don't mean A-X-E. They didn't have a gr- an axe to grind, but rather A-C-T-S. The Apostle did not walk around with an axe. But these are the acts or the actions that we see present in the life of the primitive church, the early church, in the presence of the apostles there, especially St. Peter, and then then St. Paul comes on the scene. So today we have the reading from the Acts of the Apostles, and then we have Luke chapter 24, which we explained last night, it's the disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's right, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We've gone through two chapters of the Acts of the Apostles already. Acts chapter 1 presents Jesus leaving this world. Jesus summons his disciples to go to Mount Olivet. There before their eyes, he says, Now go out to all nations. Teach them all I taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Then Jesus, before their eyes, he ascends into heaven, passes through the clouds, and sits at the right hand of God the Father. So there we have the person of Christ leaving the apostles in what is called the ascension into heaven. Which is actually the second glorious mystery. Then the second chapter of Acts is essentially is essentially Pentecost experience. In this Pentecost experience, Jesus tells them not to go out right away, but go to the upper room. So they go to the upper room with the Blessed Virgin Mary, some other pious women, and they spent nine days and nine nights in prayer. Prayer, fasting, and silence. It was, in a certain sense, a nine-day retreat. That's right. In a certain sense, a nine-day retreat. So in this nine-day retreat, this nine-day retreat, the apostles with Mary are praying fervently. What happens? Where they are present, there seems to be an earthquake. Where they are, it seems to be shaken to its very foundations, and then there's a wind, and over their heads they can see tongues of fire, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit upon upon them. The coming of the Holy Spirit upon them. Then they'd be able to speak in lung, in different tongues. That's Acts chapter 2. Then, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, St. Peter gets up in front of thousands of people. And next to him are the apostles. Peter is the mouthpiece of this apostolic group. And he preaches. St. Peter preaches with great eloquence and great power. And essentially he's preaching what is called the Paschal Mystery. By the Paschal Mystery, we mean this. He's preaching the fact that Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross on Good Friday by, by their will. 
He died, he was buried. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And they said that we are witnesses of this, that Jesus is truly risen from the dead. Which, of course, in all the life of Christ, he carried out many miracles. Many miracles. This was the greatest of all of his miracles. That's right. Of all the miracles that Christ carried out, this was by far the greatest of all the miracles. He himself being raising himself from the dead. And as a result of that, he who is the way, the truth, and the life, he's giving us life. So St. Peter gives a long, eloquent homily on Pentecost Day. And it says that the, the Jews were cut to the heart at the message of St. Peter. They asked, brothers, what are we to do? We heard your message. What's the next step? What are we to do? And Peter, very clearly, he says, this is what you're supposed to do. You have to repent. You have to repent. That's right. Repent means to give up your sin. Then he says you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then he says you'll receive the you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you'll receive the forgiveness of sin. That's right. That's what you're called to do. So these people were listening very attentively to St. Peter. And as a result of this powerful homily of St. Peter, what happens? They asked to be baptized. That very day, as a result of the preaching of St. Peter, three thousand people were converted, three thousand people were baptized and became the early followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These were Jewish converts. These were Jewish converts to the Catholic Christian faith. So we really see the power of the Holy Spirit. We see also, the transformation of the person of, of St. Peter. So, my friends, that's a summary. Some of you might be new followers of our Perseverance family. That's a, a summary of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1 and 2. So, today, Easter Wednesday, we move into chapter 3 the first 10 verses this is a this is truly it's a fascinating passage fascinating passage in which we see the the person of peter and john and the power of the risen lord jesus and these two disciples of christ who have received the fullness of the holy spirit on pentecost So it presents Peter and John, the first bishops and the first Pope Peter. They are heading toward the temple. And it's actually the mercy hour. It's 3 p.m. The diary of St. Faustine, that's called the mercy hour. When we offer our Lord's suffering to the Father for the 
salvation of sinners, especially for those who are dying at that moment. So they're heading to the temple. And this is the big temple in Jerusalem that was built. It was built during the, the time of Solomon. During the time of Solomon. That's right. And they're heading to the temple and the purpose is they're going to be praying for prayer. So they're at the temple. At the temple area, there was a gate which was called the Beautiful Gate. There was carried to the temple the beautiful gate, a man who was crippled. He was crippled from his birth, so he'd never he'd never walked in his whole life. So he's placed he's placed there at the temple gate. And he would be there begging alms from the people who entered the temple. Totally depend upon the alms of good-hearted people. So he'd be looking at these people coming in the temple, hoping that they would maybe give him a coin for his daily sustenance. So there he is, and he and he sees he sees Peter he sees Peter and John at the temple gate. What he's hoping is that Peter and John, being generous, will open up their purses and they will give him a coin or two. So he's looking very intently at Peter and John. Then Peter fixes his gaze on this this beggar. And here we see the just the the poverty, the detachment of Peter and John and their dependence upon God and everything already. They're not going to be relying upon money or power or pleasure or economic support. Basically, they don't have anything. They have no money. So Peter fixes his eye very intently on this man and he says to him, look at us. And Peter says, look, I have neither silver nor gold. But what I do have, I give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, rise and walk. So try to imagine this. Silver and gold we have none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazarene, Nazarene, get up and walk. So Peter, what he does is he, Peter extends his hand. He grasps onto the hand of this paralytic. And his feet and his ankles grew strong. Don't forget that this man has—he's he's a paralytic since he was since he was born. He's never walked in his whole life, so he feels his ankles growing strong, his legs growing strong. Peter lifts him up. So he leaped up. He stood and he walked around. Don't forget, he's never walked before. And now, not only is he walking, but he's jumping. 
He's walking, he's jumping, he's leaping, and he's praising God. What an extraordinary miracle. Now when the people saw this, this man walking around, who they recognized this man, who was a beggar that they'd seen probably many, many times, These people were filled with amazement. They were astonished at what had happened. So here we have, my friends, one of the one of the great miracles that you're going to be seeing in the book, The Acts of the Apostles. That's right. What we'd like to outline here is that Peter and John, they're united as friends. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. They have a set time for prayer. That's what we're trying to establish in our Perseverance family. We're trying to have at all times a set time for prayer to be faithful to our holy hour every day. Next, they practice gospel poverty in the sense that they don't have any money. They're detached. Their hearts are detached so they can be attached to Christ. And then they're attentive to the needs of others. They're attentive to trying to help out the poor. As we should try to do. We should be attentive to try to help out the poor people that are surrounding us. And Peter compassionately looks at the at the cripple. Says, look at us. And Peter he says, silver and gold I have not. But what I do have, I offer to you. Silver and gold I have not. But what I do, I offer to you. So Peter didn't have money, but he had the power of the Holy Spirit. Then imagine Peter stretching out his hand. By stretching out his hand... He's showing his concern and his friendship toward this man. He grasps him by the hand and the man, his ankles and feet are strengthened. He's able to walk, not only walk, but to leap, walk and leap and to praise God. So the people were aware of this miracle that was carried out by Peter. And consequently, even more people will be converted to this way of life because of this stupendous, and I said this stupendous miracle that was carried out by Peter in his relationship to the Holy Spirit. So after, my friends, we finished the first reading, we have the responsorial psalm. The antiphon is, Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be opened to you. May we, at all times, seek the face of the Lord. And as the psalmist says, look to the Lord and be radiant with joy. Let us look to the Lord and be radiant with joy. By fixing our eyes on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
There in the Blessed Sacrament, we can be radiant with joy. That's the antiphon that we find in Psalm 105. And the psalm starts out by inviting us to thank God. The psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord, invoke His name. Give thanks to the Lord, invoke His name. My friends, we should never allow a day to go by in which we do not render thanks to God for the many blessings that He's given to us. I repeat, we should never allow a day to go by which we do not render thanks to God for all the many graces and gifts that He's bestowed upon us. Let us constantly give thanks to the Lord. Constantly give thanks to the Lord for His goodness. My friends, what do we have in our lives? What do we have in our lives that is not a pure gift from God, the giver of all gifts? We have our life. We have our life's breath. We have our sight. We have our feet. We have our legs. We have our heart. We have our, our Catholic faith. We have our belief in God. We have the gift of Mary. We have the church. We have the Eucharist. We have the communion of saints. We have God's mercy and the forgiveness of sins. All these are pure gifts. All these are pure gifts from the Father of all good gifts. So give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. So my friends, in our Perseverance family, we move from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, the Psalm. Now we move into the Gospel for the day. The Gospel for today, my friends, is one of the most beautiful Gospel passages in the whole Bible. Beautiful. In this Gospel passage, this event, we only have recorded in the Gospel of St. Luke. Chapter 24, verse 13 to 35. This we only have in the Gospel of St. Luke. And this, my friends, is the Gospel of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's the gospel of, of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. So let's go through this, my friends. It's a beautiful gospel passage. Beautiful. So Easter, Easter day, Jesus has appeared first to his blessed mother, even though this is not found in sacred scripture, we believe as followers of Christ that Jesus truly appeared, he truly appeared to the blessed mother. We truly believe that he appeared to the blessed mother. Then he appeared to Mary Magdalene. That was the gospel from St. John yesterday. Then later on in the night, Jesus will appear to the apostles who are locked up in the room of the cynical for fear of the Jews. But before that, Jesus is going to appear another time. And in this way, 
let's try to do let's try to um to carry out a biblical method you read try to memorize the basic content then what is the basic message that God is giving to us the general message what is the personal message that God is giving to me And then finally, how can I apply the gospel message to my own life? Those are five steps of a biblical method. So it's the early afternoon. You have two disciples, two disciples that are leaving Jerusalem. And they're heading toward a town called Emmaus, where they have a little house, a little cottage. And they're going to be walking quite a distance. They're going to be walking about about seven miles about 12 kilometers, if you prefer the English system. Yeah, about 7 miles, 12 kilometers. It's, it's quite a trek, quite a distance. One of the disciples' name is Cleophas. The other is unnamed. Some say it, was, it could have been St. Luke himself. And as they're walking, they are in a state of real desolation. They're sad. They're depressed. They're disoriented. They seem to have lost hope. Life doesn't seem to have any meaning. Their hopes, their desires are, are dashed because the one that they had placed their hopes in was Jesus Christ. And they only speak about the past. They only speak about what happened in the past as if what had happened in the past with Jesus Christ has buried them in the present. They have no hope. They're hopeless. Sad, confused, depressed as many people today. So as they walk and talk, and they, they're kind of, uh, they're, they're quarreling among themselves. They can't seem to put together what had happened. They're quarreling. It's not a peaceful conversation, but it's rather, rather a quarrel, kind of like a debate. So in the midst of this confusion, this stranger, this foreigner, this pilgrim catches up to them. And he's walking with them. And it's actually it's actually our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can be walking with him, but they don't recognize him. And that's a very interesting point because more than once in the gospel narratives in the resurrection scenes they simply don't recognize Christ. The gospel of St. John chapter 20 when Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene which was actually the gospel yesterday Mary Magdalene sees Jesus but thinks that Jesus is the gardener. Until he says her name, Mary, and then she recognizes him and she says, Rabuni, which means master, teacher. Then the Gospel of John chapter 21, Peter says, I'm going fishing. 
they go along with him. They catch nothing the whole night. And the man on the shore says, Children, have you caught anything? No. He says, Throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll find fish there. They do and they catch 153 whoppers. Then, Eagle Eye John, St. John the Evangelist, recognizes it's the Lord and says, It's the Lord. Peter throws himself on the water and he swims to the shore. In the Gospel today, Jesus is walking with them. They don't recognize him. They don't recognize him. And they wonder, God allowed this phenomenon, not being able to recognize Christ, maybe because God wants to apply this to us. God wants to apply this to us. How often? How often, my friends, have we failed to recognize how often have we failed to recognize our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our own lives? How often have we failed to recognize the presence and the person of Jesus Christ in our own lives? He's with us, but we're either blind or deaf. We're either blind or deaf in which we don't recognize Christ walking among us. Possibly, perhaps, the Lord allowed that lack of recognition for ourselves, that we would ask our Lord to heal us of our blindness and to heal us of our deafness. Heal us of our blindness and heal us of our deafness. So he's walking with them. And as he walks side by side with these two disciples, he asks them a question. What are you talking about? See how our Lord wants to enter into dialogue, into conversation with them. What are you talking about? And they downcast, forlorn, they look at him and says, are you the only stranger, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who has not heard about Jesus of Nazareth? What things? So the Lord purposely wanted them to dig deep within their hearts and bring to him what was going on in their hearts, what was going on in their lives. To dig deep and to bring to him the divine physician, the authentic healer, the best of listeners, to bring to him what was the, what was the source of their desolation and sadness. And my friends, I think that's a message for us. I really do. I think it's a message for us. In this sense. All of us in our lives, we go through moments of desolation, of sadness, of confusion, of disorientation, of feeling really abandoned, feeling where people don't really seem to understand us or really respect us or even care for us. We go through that. We go through that. 
So what, what they went through is our own, our own experience. So they dig deep and they're bringing it, they're bringing it to him. And most certainly what they were what they were telling him, even though we don't have the longer conversation, is that they were really hoping that Jesus of Nazareth would be their Messiah, Savior and their King. Maybe they had some earthly ambition that they believed that Jesus would liberate them from the yoke and the oppression of the Romans. But anyway, they're allowed to open up their hearts and express themselves spontaneously and very freely. And this this stranger is a very, very good listener. He is a very, very, very good listener. Very good listener. Very good listener. So they are just, they're unloading. They're opening up. And very often, now I notice even as a priest, sometimes people will come to priests with their problems, with their desolation. Give an example. Lupe comes to me. She's going through desolation. She comes in my room. She's crying, maybe hitting my desk, taking my Kleenex. She's crying again, pounding, taking more Kleenex, crying and opening up and talking a mile a minute, going on and on and on and on for about 15, 20 minutes. And after just unloading, she says, Father, thank you for resolving my problem. Thank you, Father, for resolving my problem. I never even opened up my mouth. Nor did I have the intention to open up my mouth. You know why? Because I recognized that Lupe needed simply to to vent, to open up, to unload the huge burden that she was carrying. The art of attentive listening. And in typical Ignatian spiritual direction, the evocative style is basically learning how to listen to others. Listening to others. By listening to others, there's the healing process that goes on. That's what was happening to these disciples. As Jesus walks with them and and he listens to them. That's right. He's a very good and attentive listener, listening attentively to these forlorn men who don't understand why this their friend Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. Then, after after they have finished unloading, then Jesus, even though they don't know it's Jesus, he opens up his mouth. And he explains to them how Moses and the prophets, those biblical passages, referred to him. Now they recognize that not only were they able to open up freely and spontaneously and talk to Jesus without any, not feeling inhibited by anything, but feeling free to express themselves in their own words, their own desires, their own woundedness. Now, he opens up. That's right, he opens up. 
he opens up. And he speaks to them. Now it's their turn to listen. And they listen very attentively to Christ as he explains how the biblical passages of the Old Testament, starting with Moses and the prophets, referred to him. So they arrive at their destination. It looks as if this foreigner has an appointment further down the road. He has an appointment further down the road. But they have thoroughly enjoyed his presence. They've thoroughly enjoyed his friendship. They've thoroughly enjoyed his conversation. They want they want to be with him. They want to spend time with him. So, they invite him to be with him with these words. Stay with us. Stay with us because the day is coming to an end. The sun is going down. And Jesus was waiting for them to invite him into their home. He accepts the invitation. Then they go into this little home, little cottage, little casita, it's in Spanish, little house. They sit down at the table. And there at the table, this foreigner, he has, there is bread on the table. So he, four verbs now in the present continuous tense. He takes bread, he blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, and then he gives the bread to these disciples. In that moment, their eyes are opened and they recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread. Then he disappears. My friends, Bible commentators have said that Jesus was celebrating the second Mass. First Mass would have been at the Last Supper, Holy Thursday. Here we have the second Mass on Easter Sunday, the early evening. Then he disappears from their presence. And they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us? As he explained the word of God to us. And they get up filled with joy, return to Jerusalem to tell the good news that they have truly seen the risen Lord Jesus. My friends, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage. I invite all of you to read, to meditate upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because the Lord is truly risen. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.